You know, typically when we start the new year, it's not unusual for people to begin to um, think of how they want this new year to develop. And so typically people make resolutions or they set goals or they, they make plans, or they have certain objectives that they'd like to see take place in this coming year. And, and I don't know, maybe you've done that, or maybe that's, been, that's kind of part of what you do. Uh, but even if you, didn't, if you don't do that, some, some of you say, well, I just I don't make any resolutions because I never keep them. So, so I mean, so maybe that's, maybe I'm talking about you, but, but regardless of who you are, I know this about you, that, that you would like this year, this, this 2020, uh, to be a good year for you. You, you would like to see some improvement in your life this year. I don't think there's anybody here that says, Pastor, I pray that things get worse for me this year. Pray that I have a terrible year. No, I, I just don't get those kind of prayer requests. And, and so I think um, it's probably true that all of us would like to see this year uh, things uh, in our life in different areas um, make some headway, some, some improvement on that. Now, um, Obviously, there, there are a lot of different areas in our life that we could kind of draw from that. But one of the ways to make your life um, improve this year, one of the ways to make things better is by being connected. And that's what this series is all about. Because you see, you were created, you and I were made by God to live a life that's in connection, connection with God, uh, connection with with others, connection with the world, and when we find ourselves in a place that those things are 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 separated or disconnected, life doesn't work very very well. We were made to have that connection with God, and we were made to have connection with one another, and we were made to make a difference in this world. And it's easy if, if, if you get busy with life and all the entanglements of it to get yourself into thinking that I really don't need that connection. I can have this kind of um, distant connection to God, and I can have this distant connection with the people of God, and I can have this really distant connection with the rest of the people in this world. And we think we don't really need anybody and that whatever we have right now is sufficient. I'm good. It's like a, uh, you ask somebody, you could probably do this this morning and ask people, say, is there anything I can pray for you about? And, and you're going to find somebody that's going to say, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm fine. I don't need anything. But that's not true because we all need some improvement. We all could use some help. And we've got to be careful that we don't fool ourselves into thinking that we really don't need connection. You need connection on so many different levels. So we're going to talk about this morning. So let me start off by telling you a story that I think will help us kind of get into the message this morning. Uh, Years ago, um, when when my kids were at home, we would take family vacations. And because we we didn't have a lot of money and stuff, they got the joy of going camping. Because, we, you know, we got, that's all we could afford to do. Um, that, that's what my parents did with us. That's what we did with our, our kids. And so we go camping. Well, one year we went camping. We went to this um, campsite that was in North Carolina. It was on the Cherokee Indian Reservation. And one of the activities that we decided to do one day was we were going to go tubing. 
And along in that area, there's a, there's a river called the Aconalufti River. And we chose to go, go tubing down that river. Now, the river has a pretty fast current, and the bottom of the, the, the um, river is, is filled with rocks, and it's not real deep. It's kind of shallow. So if you're thinking Itchituckney, Springs, you know, just kind of gently going down and all. That's not that's not the the picture of this whatsoever. And so we go and we get our, go get our tubes. And I'm I'm noticing as you're getting our you know the inner tubes that they that they they're renting these tubes. And in the center, you know, uh, inner tube like a giant rubber donut. Okay, and they had this, these tubes in the middle that had these boards that were attached at the bottom. And I'm thinking, huh, that must be for little kids because, you know, they're afraid the kids are going to fall through that hole, which they'd have to be kind of small to do that. So, you know, no, I'll just give me the regular inner tube. Well, as as we're going down, again, the, the current is is pretty swift. So you're not, you just can't just sit there and go, I'm waiting, you know, and you kind of paddle yourself a little bit. The current moves you along. And as you move along, there are periods of time in which the, the, the river drops off. There's kind of a drop off. And so you're going and then boom. And when you drop off, your bottom hits the bottom. And did I tell you there's rocks on the bottom? <laughs> okay. So I figured, wow, now I know why there's a board on those things there. Okay. And again, the current, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to stop here. It's like, boom, and then it, it moves you on. So you're there literally thinking you've broken something. But, but there's not much you can do about it, and it just kind of moves you and moves you uh, along. That's how that was. And the same could be say, said of the current of life. Life is that way, isn't it? Life kind of has some movement that just kind of takes us and, and causes us to move along. And because of that, we drift, right? We drift in life. It's not a matter of I'm just going to be stationary here. I'm just going to sit here and kind of do it. The, the current of life continues to move us. And naturally in life, we end up drifting. We drift away from everything that is holy and good, don't we? I mean, rarely do we drift into to a good direction, okay? You kind of think about it when it comes to exercise, you know, the, the the gyms are all packed right now this time of year. People are signing up and everything. And you're like, man, I don't even know why I want to go to the gym. I can't get on the machine. They're there. Hey, just just wait till till the end of February and they'll be cleared out. Because okay, because people just naturally they kind of they kind of drift away from it. I heard one person say, well, what do you do when when you feel like you've got to go and exercise? I said, well, I just lay down on the couch until the feeling goes away, okay? <laughs> and so, so we just kind of naturally drift to, not to a good place. Budget, right? You don't drift into a great budget, right? You drift away from a good budget. You're like, okay, we're going to be disciplined this year, and we're only going to spend this amount, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to follow these examples and stuff, and and then all of a sudden something happens, you know, man, we got to, man, we got to take this trip or we got to buy this thing. And man, they're budget busters. I mean, they just, they blow up the budget and, and um, just naturally kind of drift you into that. That's the same thing with relationships. We get into unhealthy relationships. 
And it's like, well, why, why are you friends with this person? They're just, they're, they're just nothing but drama. Well, why are you dating this person? They, they don't even share your values. And, and, and we find ourselves kind of drifting into that. The same can be true with our spiritual growth, right? You start off the year and you're reading your Bible and you're going through and you're using your daily bread or you're reading the Bible schedule, the verses or whatever, or you got the Version app and you're going through it and man, things are going good. But then, you know, you've got some stuff that happens and pretty soon you skip a few days of prayer, skip a few days of Bible reading. And pretty soon it's been a month since you cracked open your Bible. It's been two months since you've really spent any time in prayer. It's just easy for us to kind of kind of drift away. And when we drift, okay, right, it, 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 the, the reality is this. We, when we drift, it is, if, the, if it's good for us, right, we drift away from it, right? Whatever is good for us, you know, if it's healthy eating, we drift away from it, right? I mean, because healthy eating isn't fun. Okay, I don't care what anybody tells you, you know, this is really good. No, if it was, everybody would be doing it, you know? You know, well, these are really good to eat. I'm sure they are, but but they're not as good as, as chocolate and they're not as good as, you know what I mean? So So those kind of those things are there. And so to end up into a good place, you have to be intentional. Right? Intentional. You have to make some things, you have to change some things and intentionally do some things that get you to that place. You don't just magically end up in a good place. You magically end up in a bad place, okay? And that's true across the, across the board. And so when we drift, the current of life seldom moves us in the right direction. Now hear me, Every area of life that is important, every area of life that is important to get to a good place, you're moving against the current, right? There's a current that's, that's trying to keep you from, from going to that place. It's, it's, that's true in life. We, we all understand that. That's true in your marriage, if you want to have a good marriage, there's a current that's kind of pulling you away from that. There, uh, family, if you're going to have a great family time and all, there's stuff that's pulling you away from it. There's stuff that's pulling you away from it if you've got bitterness in your life and anger. If you've suffered a loss, maybe you've lost um, your health or maybe you lost a loved one or maybe you've lost finances and that can kind of drift you to a very bad place. Or let's take about this. If you want to live a godly life in today's culture, is today's culture going to carry you to a godly place? No. And we're, we're kind of in a world today that, that does do everything it can to kind of pull us away from it. And so if we're going to get to the right place, we're going to have to fight against the current. That takes intentionality. That takes effort. That takes initiative. Now, one of the dynamics, one of the core dynamics of our faith is this. We have not been called to go against the current alone. We have been called to go against the current, against the flow together together. See, God didn't intend for you to do this Christian life alone, on your own. 
in your own strength, by yourself, just just me and and the the, the missus, just me and my little family, and, and we're kind of isolated. God never intended for that to be. And so if that's your approach to life, the current's going to carry you away to a place that you're not going to want to be at. It's going to carry you to a very bad place eventually because you can't do it on your own. You're not strong enough. You're not capable enough. And that's true for me. That's true for you. That's true for all of us. We drift and seldom do we move into the right direction. Now, this isn't anything new. In fact, um, the first century believers uh, face the same problem here. And the Bible addresses this issue to them. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, if you want to, to turn there or swipe there or however you get there in your... your um, last year and on Wednesday night, Don and I were doing a series on, on Hebrews, and we're kind of going through there. And, and let me tell you, there was just so much stuff there that it was not possible for us to ever move on and cover, you know, cover everything. So, so there were certain things that I kind of made a, made a snapshot as we're going through it and saying, hey, I want to come back to this at some point. And so this is kind of one of those things that kind of a snapshot to go back to, to that here. Now, Hebrews um, is written to a group of believers that, that have a Jewish background. We, we don't know who the human author of the book is. He's anonymous. Some people think it was Paul, or some think it's Apollos, or some thinks it, think it was you know, Timothy or somebody. We don't really know. Uh, we do know that the Holy Spirit is really the divine author of the book, so, so it doesn't really matter in that regard. But, but in this book... God deals with the importance of living in community and why we are always better together. We are always better together. Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 12. Let's look at it, verse 12. Here's what it says. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He says, I'm talking about the danger of departing. And departing, I want you to think of it, the, the, the expression, the term literally means to drift away. Okay, I don't want you to drift away from the living God. So I guess the first question as we look at it, who in their right mind would want to drift away from the living God? Who who is a believer who 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 believes the Bible, who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, who knows the Lord, who would want to possibly turn away from the living God? And the answer is all of us. We've all done that, haven't we? They don't look so pious to me in church, okay? Yeah. <laughs> We all have done that. Every one of you are guilty. Every one of you could raise your hand that you have done that. Okay? We have. We say that we believe in God, and we say we believe His Word, and yet you do things that contradict that very statement, don't you? 
Come on, shake your heads like this, right? You do that, okay? I, even if you don't admit it, I'm telling you, you do that, okay? The person next to you could say, yeah, I know, I've seen you do that, okay? So you're, we're all kind of culpable in this, in this statement, right? We're all guilty of that. This isn't, this isn't anything new. So he says in, in that mind, take heed, okay? And that expression, take heed, literally means watch it. Okay. It's an interesting verb here as it is in the, 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 the present active imperative. You say, what does that mean? It means this is a command. This is really important. This is not a, um, you, know, you know, just uh, do this if you get around to it. This is a stop what you're doing, put it down, look up, and, and take note of this, okay? This is something he says, I want you to really be aware of. Watch it. Watch it. Why? Well, take heed, and what's the next word? It's not a trick. What's right there? Brethren. Brethren, okay. Brethren. Now, brethren is the plural of brother, okay? So we're not just talking about one person. We're talking about more than one person, and brethren really is kind of the composite of talking about in the sense of brothers and sisters. So he's not just talking to the men, he's talking to the women, he's talking to both the men and women, brothers and sisters. And so this, this watch it is, is going to the group, okay? This is not just a single player, this is, a, this is an all skate type thing, okay? Everybody's to be involved with it, okay? So here's what he says, watch it, brethren, Okay, that's what he's starting out. Watch it, brethren. I mean, th- that's a great way to start out his, his message to us. To it. So there's something here that he wants you and me to get a hold of. And he, do- and he starts out by saying, I need your attention. Okay? Do you realize that you can be here and not be here? Right? Some of you are here, but you're not here. Okay? Some of you are physically here, but you're somewhere else, okay? You know, because okay. like I say, hey, look at me, and you're still looking at your Bible, like, like somehow that text is going to change in just two minutes. You know, like, if I don't keep looking at it, it's going to change. You know, no, it's, it's all right. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. So he says, watch it, brethren. There, there's the, the admonition to us. We want to be, be careful of this, okay? And, and here's what he wants to communicate to us. The drift begins within. The drift begins within. Because he says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart. It's inside. Heart. Whenever we start to drift away from God, it always starts from within. Okay? Now, follow me on this. Nobody knows about that drift because it's in unless we're watching out for the brethren. If we're not watching out for one another, you're not going to know when somebody's drifting because they don't hold up a sign and say, I'm drifting, right? If they're drifting, you know, they've got a little mark on their forehead. and Oh, they're drifting. They're drifting. I can tell. You can't see it because it's inside. And here's the danger of it. We won't know that it's happening because 
Rose, don't know. Okay. If you're in here, and this is, this is your idea of, of, of the composite of church, rows don't know. As long as you're sitting in rows, you're not going to know what's going on in their life. Okay? Because here's what happens to us. We pull up into the parking lot, and as we get into our parking spot, okay, God knows what happened on the way to church. The arguments and the, the and the, the you know get your shoes on you know why do you stop pulling her hair you know why did you make me late blah, blah, you know on and on and on we we come on there and we we have just the ugliest conversations and we pull into the church parking and all of a sudden we put on our church face right we we pull out that mask and we put it on because we're at church 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 and so we're going to put on you know we're going to make sure that you know make sure our, our coats on straight and everything and we're we're ready for church and so we come in and and we've got our church face on because because nobody coming to church should have any problems or difficulties or, or you know, we, that doesn't happen because that didn't happen to me because I've got it all together. And so we come to church and what do we do? We come to church and we sit in rows. And what do you see in your row? You see the back of the next person's head. Tell me what's, what expression is on their face. You don't know. You can't tell. All you see is the back of their head. Rows don't know. And for many of us, that's the extent of your connection to people in church is a row. You come in and yeah, I saw their face when I came in, but that's it. And you don't know what's going on and you don't know what's happening in their life. And in, if, if we're painfully honest, sometimes that's how we want it because we don't want to have to know. We're okay with the, just the smile and the holy wave and the goodness and, and all that. And yet, you know, and I know, that's not how life is. And unless we are intentionally connected, we're going to face the current of life on our own. And as, as the current begins to sweep people away, we're not going to know until it's too late. We're not going to know. We're going to go, well, what happened to them? Well, the current's been dragging them along for, for quite a while. I didn't know. Of course you didn't know. There's no way to know if you're stuck in the row. You see, we've got to be intentionally connected. He goes on to the next verse, verse 13. But... Okay, I, I know there's that drift, but but here's what I want you to do. Here's the solution. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. And it says pause there on the verse. Okay. He says, I want you to exhort. And the word exhort is the same tense as, as, he, as he said before when he said to watch it. It's in the present active imperative. In other words, this is, this is something I want you to do. And so when he says to exhort, it's, just, it's not sort of like, um, you know, way to go, you know, good for you type things. But the, the word here to exhort means to keep on um, pleading, to keep on begging, to, to urge strongly, to implore, 
to, to entreat. Those are some of the, the descriptions of what it means. So there's, a, there's an intensity. There's a magnification of this exhort that he's um, giving to us. And it's a command. It's not like, well, if I have time or if that was my gift, I would do it. No, he said, I want you, brethren, to do this. Why? Because I want you to do this to one another. One another. This is something for all of us to observe. observe. This isn't just something, well, this is the pastor's job. This is our, our class teacher's job. This is deacon's job. This is leader's job. This is people that are really spiritual job. This is everybody's job, okay? Every one of us are supposed to be doing this, exhorting one another. Well, how often do we do this? Daily. Paul is called today, he says here, okay? He's making this very, very clear. In other words, the, the, the implication is that this is something that's ongoing. This is not just something that said, well, you know what? Last year, Pastor, uh, I think it was the, the third week in, in, in November, in November it was, I exhorted somebody, okay? No, I, we're, this is ongoing. This isn't like you do it once and you get a pass and now you can sit back and it's somebody else's job. This is something that's, that we're to, done, to do gr- with great frequency, okay? And, and what he's saying basically is this. I want you, okay, this is God saying this to you. I want you in one another's lives so that you will know when somebody starts to drift, I want you to be engaged in, 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 in one another's lives to the extent that you know when somebody is starting to drift. So let me ask you, do you have people in the church that you do that for? And do you do that for them? Do you? Or is your concept of connection, meaning I come and I sit in a row? Because rows don't know. Exhort one another. Well, it's called today. Look at what the rest of the verse says here. Okay. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see... God wants us to be connected with people to the extent that we know what's going on. Um, Do you have that kind of group relationship? You see, in our staff, we kind of have that dynamic. I mean, we really do. We kind of have a dynamic that when we walk into the office... We kind of know when something's not quite right. There have been more than one occasion I've walked into the office and the guys have said, what's the matter? And I said, I didn't say anything was the matter. Well, there's something wrong. Well, how do you, I didn't say anything. No, we know something's got to be wrong. Because they just kind of, they kind of know, they kind of pick up some body language and certain things that are there. And, and what's great is we, we can call each other out on it. Okay. We can say, hey, um, what's up? What do you mean, what's up? Oh, don't, don't, you don't get away with just passing off. What's up? You know, and, and you know, we're not doing anything else till we get to the bottom of this. And, th- and that's the kind of relationship God wants us to have. See, there are people here on the outside because we got our church mask on. You don't know that anything's going on. 
and they look like they got it together and looks like everything is great and glorious. And, and, and that's not the truth, but you have no idea because all you can see is the back of their head. And so what he says here is, I want you to exhort one another else today. And then he uses this little, this little Greek word that, that, that is a purpose statement. He says less. It's, it's the word henna. Henna, it's a purpose statement. In other words, I want you to do this because so that you will do this. This is the purpose of doing this. I want you to, to do this so that you won't be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Did you know sin is deceptive? It deceives. You say, what is the deception, the specific deception of sin that he's talking about here? And here it is. The deception of sin here is when you say, I don't need connection. Some of you, that's, that's what you're dealing with. I don't need it. I come to church on Sunday morning and I sit in a row and that's good enough for me. Ack, wrong. You're deceiving yourself. It's a deception when you say, I don't need that connection. The deception, the hardening, the drift, it isn't obvious at first. It starts with something small. It starts with an attitude, okay? It starts with coming in and your attitude begins to to change and you start moving away from that. You see, you don't start off doing this by just becoming an atheist one day. I'm here to church. I've been to church for 20 years. Boom, all of a sudden I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Boom. It doesn't work that way. You don't wake up one morning and just say, I'm never reading my Bible again. You don't just have something happen and go, I'll just never pray again. You don't, people don't stop going to church all of a sudden. It's a slow drift that got them to that place. Sometimes it starts out as a legitimate situation. My job schedule changed, and so now I have to work, and I can't do what I used to do, okay? And then what happens is that job schedule changes, and then what happens? You never go back to what you used to do because now it isn't important to you anymore. I used to get up first thing in the morning, and I'd have my prayer time in Bible, but now i got to leave so early, and now that I don't have to leave so early, I don't do it anymore. It starts out as a small kind of a drift that, that's almost not worth mentioning. But if you're, if you're watching it, if somebody is there and has access to you and they see it, they can speak into that, to the deception that's there. It begins maybe with an offense that that happens, and then you choose not to forgive, and pretty soon that just becomes pushed down and down and down, and it becomes a root, as Hebrews talks about, of bitterness, that wraps its root around you, and it just obsesses within your soul. It starts with some inconsistency, some sporadic behaviors. And you can't see it while you're in a row. You can't see it. And if you ignore it, the drift over time is going to carry you to a place that you never wanted to go. 
So what do we do about that? What can we do about it? And here's what we do. The drift begins within, so let one another in. Only way you're going to protect yourself from the drift is you've got to let somebody into your life. You've got to let some people into that space. You've got to let the brethren come into that. And if you don't, you're not going to see it. And nobody else is going to see it until it's too late. And then in verse 14, he makes this statement, and it almost seems like he's just, all right, we're done with that, and we're moving on, and we're going to a different subject. Almost like he's changing the subject matter, but he's not. And here's what he says. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. Here's what he's telling us. Here's how you know if you're a true believer. If you hold on to our confidence, and and literally this, this speaks about the foundation of our faith. If we hold on to the foundation of our faith, that is, What's the foundation of our faith? Our our belief in Jesus Christ. That's where it goes. So what the writer is saying basically is this. That drift, if left unchecked, has the potential to lead you into a place of unbelief. Unbelief. That's what he's saying. If, If you're not careful, he can lead you to a place of unbelief belief to a place far away. See, it didn't start out by you becoming an atheist. You didn't wake up and just chunk the whole thing. It started out with a girl. It started out with a guy. It was just a girl. It's just a guy. And pretty soon over time, that led me away from God. I mean, nobody said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with this guy, and he's just going to take me so far away from God, because that's what, no, it didn't start out that way, but that's, that's what happened. It's just a girl, but it, it drifted far, far away. You got started in this job, and it was just a job, and it was a good job, but pretty soon the job became more important to you than God. Got to make a living, right? So God goes to the wayside. He got started with a hobby. And everybody needs a hobby. He needs some downtime. Yeah, but pretty soon that hobby took the place of God. Or you got sick or you got hurt. And little by little, you start to drift away. And because you had nobody close enough to notice, you drifted from your faith. You move from it, and nobody saw it coming, and your heart was deceived. Now, I want to close quickly with, with noting what the writer said later, because later in chapter 10, he kind of almost like picks up on this subject, and he kind of carries us through to that, to that logical conclusion. So if you have your Bible, again, let's go to Hebrews 10 and go on to verse 23. And here's what he says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise.
Now understand, the writer is not suggesting that our salvation can be lost or that it depends upon us holding on to it. Okay, that's not the, that's not the unbelief he's talking about, that at some point you become unsaved. That's not what he's saying. And he makes that clear saying, listen, for he is faithful that promise, okay? Whatever God promises, God doesn't ever go back. So if Jesus Christ says, I've, I've forgiven you, I've saved you, it's a done deal, okay? So he's not talking about that. But you can drift away from the living God. You can, you can get away from the things of God. And many of you understand what I'm talking about because you've done it. You know what that's like. Sometimes that has done it. You've done that and you just got out of church for a long period of time. Some of you, you stayed in church the whole time. You never left church, but you left God because you got all tied up in you. You can move to a place far away from God, a place that you never intended to be. He goes on, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Let me ask you, do you ever consider one another? When you leave this place and throughout the week, are you, are, are, are you thinking about one another? Or are you just so enamored with what's going on with you and your life and your kids and your business and your grandkids and your stuff that's going on that you you just don't have time for anybody but you? Is your life just about you? Is it just about your family? Is it just about your ministry? Is it just about your life or do you consider? God says, I want you to consider who? One another. God says your church family matters. They matter. More than just coming on Sunday morning and sitting in rows, they matter. More than just, you know, you're, you know, just a, a one or two people, they matter. And because of that, he says, I want you to consider one another to provoke. Some of you are like, all right, finally, finally a part of the sermon I can really get into because I like provoking. Provoking, that's, that's good. I can do that. Finally, there's something for me to do. But I have to let you know this provoking is not a negative one, okay? It, is, it literally means that we are, to, we are to stir up people, to agitate people, but not in a bad way, but in a positive way. And that is we are, we are stirring them up for the purpose of them loving and doing good works. The provoking is not to get them to be mad at you and to leave the church. Okay, that's what you're good at. Okay, okay. But the, the, the thing is, I want you to provoke them to love the people here and then get busy doing good things, good works for the people that are here. Okay, again, this is what God is saying. I want you to have that kind of connection. Some of you can't have that kind of connection because you're not connected. You're not involved enough. You're not around people enough to have that kind of connection. Well, you don't understand. I'm, I'm kind of busy and I got this going. Yeah, I understand. But I didn't write this. God did. And God knows the schedule that you have. And God knows the demands that are on you. And God knows the, the, the job schedule you have. And God knows that you're retired. And God knows your physical limitations. And God knows your family dynamics. And God still said, let's put it in our word. He hasn't changed it. 
He still expects you and me to consider one another and then to actively provoke, stir up, to admonish, to encourage people to love and to do good works. That's what the scripture says. That's what the Bible is telling us to do. He's exhorting us to do that. Same verbiage that we saw in in, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. I want you to do that. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, you cannot do this without regular connection to people in the church. If all you do is come to service on Sunday morning, you can't do this. It's not possible. Okay? Just, it, just, it just can't be accomplished in that format. Okay? I want you to do this. Who, who do I want you to do this? I want you to do this one another. I want you to to have love and good works. See, we don't just drift into love and good works. You've got to work for it. God wants you and I to do that. So again, we go back to the statement again. The drift begins within, so let one another in. See, the the creator is, is calling to you to let people in. I made you for relationship. I made you for that. Life isn't going to work without it. I created you to have those kind of connections. You need it. So let me ask you this question. If you started to drift, if you were to start to drift, would anybody here notice? Right? Because again, it, it, isn't, it isn't a big thing. It's not just like, you know, uh, I, I believe the word of God and then t- tomorrow I, I, I don't believe a word of the Bible. It doesn't work that way. Some of you are drifting right now. And nobody here notices it. Nobody sees it because you have shut them out of your life. You have put this wall up and you've got your reasons you know, I don't have time. People have hurt me before. I don't like you. You know, um, you know, you, if, you, if you were a better friend, you know, you got all these different excuses. I know you got all those excuses. And, and, I, and if I know them, I, don't you think God knows them too? I mean, don't you think God, oh, wow, I never thought of that. I should have put a, an asterisk there that says under these circumstances, it doesn't apply. You get a pass. But God didn't do that, did he? Isn't God smart enough that God could have done that if he wanted to? But God made this blanket statement because he knows that every one of you need to be in community. So who are you connected with at the church that knows what's going on in your life? Who are you connected with? And who are you exhorting 
on a regular basis? Who is the person in here that you're regularly exhorting and stirring up for love and good works? It's not just about what you get out of it, okay? It's too many people today, it's the me church. It's all about me. No, it's, it's, it's partly about you, but it's also about them. Who are you helping to hold on to their faith? So what do we do? How can we put this in a practical step? And, and this is a simple thing I ask you. To, I want you to become an active part of one of our grow groups. Some of you are saying, man, I'm already a part of one done deal. No, you, you didn't read this correctly. I want you to become an active part of one of our grow groups. I want you to continue coming to church, okay? But the connection that you need, okay, can't be done in this group, okay? Here's the truth. Once you get past about 15 or 20 people in a group, okay, it becomes very, very difficult for people to connect in a deeper level, okay? That's just a fact. You don't have to like it. That's a fact. Practically speaking, you aren't going to feel safe to share the struggles in your life in a large group, okay? You got a group of 50, 100 people, whatever. You're not going to get up and say, hey, I've been struggling with lust. You're not going to say that. You're not going to give people that access to it in that kind of environment because you're not going to feel safe. And I get that. So you're going to have to have a smaller group that you get to know those people very, very well. Not cliquish, not off-putting, but people that really care about you. And when I talk about being active in that group, I want you to, to, to have people that you can invest your time and they can invest your time in you. So here's what I really mean about active, and it goes with this. I want you to be in a place where you can share and care. See, active means more than just attendance, more than just getting a check mark on the roll. Because for some of you, that's your grow group experience. I go in, I get a check mark, and I wait till next week to get another check mark. And there's some people, they don't even care about the check mark. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. But you need to do that. But you need to be in a place where you're there and you're sharing what's going on in your life. Because when you start to drift, somebody needs to notice. Somebody needs to have been given permission enough that they know you, that they can kind of sense that when they walk in the room and they say, how you doing? You're saying, I'm doing all right. And they're like, don't give me that, right? Don't give me that. Well, what do you mean? There's something wrong. Well, I didn't say, I, you didn't have to say anything. I can just tell because I know you. What's going on? You need that kind of tough love. And some of you don't have anybody in your life that, that will do that. And the reason why is you don't want anybody to have that access to you. You don't want anybody to tell you what you already know. But you need it. You need it. I need it. You need to be able to share and care. You need an opportunity where you can reach out and it's more than just people praying for you. And some of you, that's all, the, that's all you care about. Pray for me. Pray for me. Well, good, we'll pray for you. But what about you caring for other people? We don't understand, Pastor. I'm busy. I got that. Eh. 
that's what God wants us to have, that kind of connection. And let me tell you, a church that has that kind of connection is a strong and a mighty church in the hands of God. So let me just end here. You, you need to be connected to church more than just showing up. And in your families right now, your physical families, you didn't have the choice of who your parents are, right? Right? I mean, none of us got, hey, would you like these parents or those? Which one? You know, like, I don't know. These don't look too smart. Maybe, you know, can I see a tax return? You know, you didn't get a chance. You just, you got the family that you got. But to be part of the family of God, you you get a chance to, to have some input into this. Jesus would say this in John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And it says, And Jesus answered unto him and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, you got to be born again. Nicodemus, he was not a dummy. He was a smart guy. He's like, I don't, I don't get that. And Jesus says, you know, it's, it's, it's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. And then later he said the verse we all know in John, in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This morning, if you're not certain of that, then I urge you to call upon the name of Jesus to say, he'll save you. And if you know Jesus as Savior, let's get connected so that people don't drift away. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to share these words and Lord, how insightful your word is to us. Thank you for the clarity of it and the power of it. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we'll take this opportunity to apply it. Lord, you saw how disconnected we were. And you didn't just leave us to ourselves. You you came to earth in person. And you didn't minister us at a, diff- a distance, God. You came down and, and you dwelt among us, as John would say. God, may we take that to heart and begin to draw near to our brothers and sisters and receive the strength and the help and the care that comes from you. Now, Lord, I ask you to bless this invitation in Jesus name. Amen.